everyone, Steve Meller here welcoming you in back for a brand new installment of the Korea Competitor Podcast. And as always, we're brought to you by the people over at CG Sports Network. And we are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. And today we welcome in a champion of the sport of swimming, Amanda Beard, who was the recipient of seven Olympic medals throughout her career across many different Olympic games. Someone who won her first Olympic medal at the age of 14, which is still crazy to me. But for that sort of experience, Obviously, so many lessons were learned, and her perspective as an Olympian is something that truly is unique. Not many can really give this, the types of accounts that Amanda is able to share with us through this interview today. Some of these sort of topics include the feeling of an identity crisis when we move away from our sport or when we come back from something as high as an Olympic Games as Amanda did on a number of occasions. This is something that for us as a show... The show was really born from this idea of helping listeners understand that we need to incorporate as many different passions and as many different components within our identity to make sure that we don't have these feelings of loss and we don't have these identity crises. So for me to hear Amanda bring these sort of things up and, and highlight these and emphasize that these are important topics for us to be aware of is something that I really appreciated because this show is all about that in so many ways. So at this point, I really don't want to go into too much more information on this, aside from the fact that we certainly did have a little bit of difficulty recording the episode simply because the connection was not all that great. Sadly, just a result of a bad Zoom connection, let's call it. But at the same time, through some good editing on my part, I'd like to say that we've been able to bring to you now this interview with seven-time Olympic medalist Amanda Beard, and I hope you all enjoy Hey everyone, just a quick reminder before we jump into the interview that if you're not yet, you should be subscribed to the show. If you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts, go ahead, press that subscribe button, and at the same time, leave us some sort of rating as well. I think we're worthy of five stars. I'll leave that up to you, but at the same time, these ratings go a long, long way. So, especially if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, subscribe to the show, but whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on, be sure to be following us. And also, if you're on Instagram, Korea underscore competitor, that's where you're going to find more information about our episodes, some behind-the-scenes footage of each and every interview. And you can, of course, use Instagram to reach out to me, direct message me, let me know what you think of episodes, what you think of the show, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Steve Meller. Send me a message. Let me know if you or maybe someone you know would be a great person to come on the show. But for now, let's go right to our interview. Okay, well, I am extremely excited to be welcoming on Amanda Beard to the Career Competitor Podcast. First and foremost, Amanda, on this Wednesday evening where we are, how are things? Awesome. No complaints for me. I'm having a good day. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Now tell everybody where you are today. Um, I'm in Gig Harbor, Washington, which is about 45 minutes south of Seattle. Um, I'm actually in my office at my swim school. So there's a bunch of little kids learning how to swim right now hmm. where I am. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, and that's, you know, just uh, just to sort of fill you in a little bit with who I am. Um, I coach swimming for a living. Um, that is my that is my nine to five, so to speak. My, my passion project is this uh, 
as this podcast. But you know, in terms of the world of swimming, I've I've been it just about as long as you have. Um, not quite as decorated, let's say, as you. I think you're you've got a, a few Olympic medals on me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, before we go any further, Amanda, I uh, I'm just really excited. I just want you to understand just how much of a privilege I see this is uh, to kind of sit down with you and. Um, and, and really get this opportunity just to just to speak to you about firstly a, a phenomenal career in the sport of swimming, but secondly, really what you've been doing now for a long time um, following that uh, career in the pool. So just really excited to hear all about it. Most famously, seven Olympic gold medals. Did I get that right? Well, so I no, but I usually don't correct people when they when they um, up my like the awesomeness right so only two golds but i have seven medals total but you said seven mm. gold so i'll take it no no, no i said se- <laughs> did I, say, I didn't mean to say golds i meant to say seven medals no you said i did okay okay well seven golds it is <laughs> we'll start it. there that, that's so, a, that's so a it great is. start there love it is it. <laughs> i like that yeah <laughs> love it well it, here's the here's the thing you know most famously getting that first medal at the age of 14 which in our sport is just absolutely insane. Um, it, it really is. And I'm sure you've told this story a thousand times over the years in terms of just being at the forefront and being in the spotlight of this sport at an age where you were probably still figuring so much of life out. Uh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, tell everybody a little bit about just the the roller coaster you know, introduction, let's say, to the world of swimming that you had there back in, in, in um, when you were at the age of 14? Um, so, you know what, it, it was like, it was absolutely a roller coaster. But it was also one of those things where I was so naive and young that I didn't really understand the roller coaster that I was on, which worked to my benefit, especially for going and actually competing mm. in those Olympics when I was at that age. Um, you know, I started off swimming just like, having fun with it. My parents wanted me to learn. So I was water safe. I fell in love with the sport. I was on a summer league team. So I just swam in the summertime. And but I was obsessed and I wanted more of it. So we joined our local club program, which just happened to be um, one of the best. So I just kind of fell in the lap of some amazing coaches and facilities. And by the time I was 13, I was a uh, on the USA national team and competing at a national level. And at 14, I made my first Olympics. And to be honest, it seems like I'm just very like, yeah, whatever. But in those moments at that age, I really felt like it was like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) And then as I started to get older and understand the sport a little bit more, I started to realize, oh, wow. Okay. There's a little bit more involved in this than just like showing up and swimming laps. Um, And the mental side and all that kind of stuff started to kind of kick in how to like navigate that whole scene. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Just a really cool way to start this um, because it's uh, a perfect example of here we are as adults now and we almost know too much, right? You know, we we know so much that it almost creates obstacles that aren't necessarily even there sometimes. And when you... With this show that we have here in Career Competitor, so much of what we talk about, obviously, are these incredible qualities that people have. But in terms of the other content we discuss here too is a lot of the hurdles, a lot of the adversity that we have in front of us and sometimes are guilty of putting in front of ourselves. So as you look from, you know, the course of four different Olympic Games, like what an incredible sort of, you know, spectrum of experiences you must have had there across four different games. 
What was that, if you look at that 14-year-old, that naive version of yourself in comparison to 12 years yeah. old to when you're this senior representative on the team, like what, what are the experiences like? Where are you mentally by that point of your career? Very, very different places mentally and maturity-wise. You know, so 14, I, I'm away from my parents for quite a long time because we have to go through training camp and all that kind of stuff. And um, I didn't know how to do laundry. I didn't know. I was kind of like the little sister on the team that everyone was just kind of like, oh, my gosh, here's Amanda. You know, just kind of that a little annoying kid that was around the whole time. And so I think as I saw it from that side of things and I like aged through all those Olympics, I was able to have a little bit better perspective of how maybe the younger kids on the team were feeling or maybe felt that they weren't. I don't want to say I wasn't feeling like I was included, but I definitely mm. felt like I was kind of an outcast because I didn't have a lot of people my age to hang out with. You know, everybody wanted to go shopping and do this and do that. And I was right. like, I didn't have the same interest. So it just kind of had a natural divide. Right. So trying to be aware of that and include people. And um, so it definitely helped me to feel like I had a different role and position in uh, like my swimming career when I would go to these big meets and be participating on that uh, world level. Um, and just kind of, it was mm. fun. It's kind of put you into a, a role where you can not, I don't want to say motherly because yeah. it wasn't really motherly, but just kind of like a fun way to like help guide people through, through everything. Yeah. That's, um, it's really cool to hear that. I think it's something that sometimes goes, um, potentially unrecognized when you have these national teams because these aren't the people you're with every day all the time. These are people that you get put with at random events once, twice, three times a year. And you don't necessarily have to go out of your way to create a relationship if you're going to be with this person for a week and then maybe not see them in some cases, maybe ever again in, in terms of that capacity. But to to be willing to see the importance of building that relationship, I think, for anyone listening is 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 pretty cool to, to, to understand that that's a part of the role as you start to obviously get more and more experience at that sort of level. And in terms of just looking across your career as a swimmer, at what point did you feel as though that transition had been made from, okay, I'm just having fun with this to now <laughs> this is really my job. This is my career. Um, probably when I decided to be, give up my, uh, eligibility and go from an amateur swimmer to a professional swimmer, which I think most people, when you say that they're like, there's a mm. professional version of a swimmer, uh, <laughs> but, but taking on all of these responsibilities that aren't just like, okay, I show up at the pool. I swim laps I go home I eat I do my homework now I have these contracts I have obligations I have commitments um, I have bills <laughs> you know so it's just this whole different kind of of pre pressure that you start to put on yourself with with everything that's going on I think you know I gave up my eligibility when I was 19 years old and became a professional swimmer so I, I started to try to understand that stuff at, at a young age but I, I was lucky to have these people to help me navigate it i can't even imagine um some people that are like whisked into that oh, yeah. at an even younger age or mm. just at an age just not knowing um my goodness because it's it's 
not easy. It was fun. Mm. I loved it. It was super fun, but it had its moments where you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Um, And in terms of this is, I'm kind of glad that you really responded that way in terms of seeing that moment from amateurism to professionalism as being that big turning point because I see your generation of athlete as this athlete that maybe understood what it meant to be in the public eye for the first time um you know in terms of just I I, especially in a sport like swimming up up until the sort of early to mid 2000s swimmers were this thing that you would see once every four years um and, and they would you would come into somebody's household and you would be a big deal and then suddenly when we got into this millennium it seemed like this and you said like how how can i become a professional swimmer and suddenly there was this thing called a professional swimmer and you were from my understanding really one of the first of your kind to to do something like this and i think that in in, in so many ways really makes you a, a a trailblazer for for being professional understanding what it means to be a professional athlete especially when it comes to olympic sports um because i think that in itself is a very different version, let's say, than your typical professional athlete in the so-called major sports. So, you know, looking back on your experience of, of navigating what it meant to, I don't know, have have this image, this this thing, this word that never used to be really a word when it came to an athlete, but now it was this this thing. Like I had to be aware of my image. I had to be in the public eye. Like how much of that were you conscious of as you were going through it? Oh man, uh, probably too aware of it or too too distracted hmm. by it i guess just because um when i look hmm. back at when i was at swim meets i was um all business hmm. and i would go and i'd perform i'd do interviews and i'd give my my answers to questions and you know but like when i it's the the funniest thing is when people meet me uh like any anybody that me me they're like oh we thought you were going to be a lot more like serious and um a little more intense and because i'm the goofiest i'm a giant nerd i'm super goofy uh i love to play pranks on people like but i didn't let a lot of that come out um in my interviews or different things that i was going because i just was like well no one uh, no one wants to see this side i need to just be like this professional version uh, of myself so i definitely wish that i would have uh, probably just been a little bit more me, but at the same time, um, I probably reeled in some of the stuff that people didn't need to know about me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just so funny. I, I always look back on like my younger years and like college, I was, I was in college in the mid two thousands. And for me, I look back at that time and think, what would have happened if I'd had Instagram? What would have happened if Facebook had been as as serious as it is right now? Um, you know, because I was there like right as Facebook was beginning and didn't really understand what that was. And you know, here you are in the the era of your life where you've become a um, you've gotten married. You, you're a mother. Um, you know, you've got this career, this business now, um, and and now this ability to be even more so in the public eye with with the Instagrams and all that kind of stuff has become more and more significant. How have you found yourself as you've gotten away from being Amanda Beard the swimmer to being Amanda Beard the family woman, the professional? How have you found tying in 
things like image and and sort of really focusing on that sort of stuff in relation to this sort of new era of your life? Well, I guess so. My husband is my husband's a photographer, so he gets real like if I post anything on any sort of social media platform he will like overanalyze like <laughs> posting is this gonna you know and because it's gonna get totally criticized by him in a good right. in a good way in a good way but then also i everything in my life right now is is my kiddos um and how much does everybody want to see mo- me being like mom bragging about my kids like constantly so i feel like um I don't know. I'm not my, both my kids, my, my son plays baseball. My daughter plays softball. So all I would be posting constantly is me at a field. And (laughs) I don't know how interesting that is. So I try Hmm. to like reel that in all the time. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm a father of two myself, but they're two, two under the age of two right now. So I've, all my pictures are just, you know, sitting up for the first time and crawling for the first time. It's nothing overly, um, nothing overly exciting, let's say. Um, but in terms of, in terms of, the, let, let's stay on that topic of, you know, you having kids that are now in sport. Do you see the competitor that you were in your children? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so, <laughs> okay. So my daughter, but they're both still pretty young. They're seven and 11. So my daughter is seven and she's played, she plays softball, but she's, she's the little, she's the one that's very serious on the softball field. Mm. So she's not the one that's, you know, kicking the dirt and picking flowers. She's, um, she's the coach keeps making her be pitcher and catcher because she's like zeroed in and focused and she practices constantly at home. Um, so I see a lot of that, like, like that kind of like, she's, has like that vision to be able to kind of like drown everything out and she's focused even with a slower paced sport uh, especially softball at a seven-year-old's mm-hmm. age um my son who's 11 he's on he's been on a travel baseball team for a couple of years now so and so I, he's even he's a lot more intense about um his sport well actually he's about as intense in his sport as i was in my <laughs> sport so and the thing about my son is he's a in he's like an insane perfectionist with his sport too so he he's that kid that when we come home from a game or practice he wants to like analyze every little play that happened and go over things and I always feel like it's a as my role as a parent I don't want to just go home and talk about how they performed and all that kind of stuff Mm. Um, I want them to identify as not just like an athlete in the family as you know, a very important human in, in our family tribe and, um, that he exists outside of what he, what his baseball is, but Mm. he, he's the one that's always like, so how was this play and how did I do it this? And when I was doing this and I should have positioned, you know, and he reads books about, um, baseball and biographies about his favorite player. Mm. I mean, and the kid now spits out like stats and there's a lot of baseball stats. It's kind of ridiculous, (laughs) but um, he can spit out stats on baseball. Like it's nobody's business. Yeah, Yeah, that's wild. It's wild. And uh, to think that he's only three years now away from being of that age that, you know, you were heading off to an Olympic games. I mean, that must be kind of wild to sort of see that in your son and think, wow, holy crap. Like three years from now, I was going to Olympic games. Yeah, it is. It's it's weird. He's already being like chosen for teams where he has to travel to the East Coast to play in tournaments. Mm. And so, 
So it's, it's, you know, my, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so young. We all have to go with him. And then I was like, well, he's been chosen for teams to participate in next year and he'll almost be 13. And I was traveling all around the country when I was 13. (laughs) So it it hasn't really dawned on me that we're about the same age as when things were happening and moving and grooving. He just seems too darn young. <laughs> <laughs> said like a said like a real mother. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. In in, in terms of some other stuff, um, I, I really wanted to get on to because I know you've been fairly outspoken when it comes to just dealing with the adversities, not only that come with swimming, but just with dealing with expectation too. And I, I think for me, coming into this interview, I was probably most excited about just picking the brain of Amanda Beard in terms of what it meant for you to deal with expectation you know because it's it's a real thing and i it sounds like for someone that was able to go through so much success and do it in so many different facets of life um you must have found expectation was this thing that evolved in so many different ways for you so just sort of in your words what did what did you sort of take from this your experience in the sport of swimming in terms of dealing with expectation, both in a positive and also in a, maybe a less positive way? Um, this is an awesome question because it, there's so many different like avenues to take it, right? And I have so many different ways, things mm. that I, I'd love, love to say. And I, of course, I'm always going to forget everything. But one of the biggest things is I talk to a lot of people about <laughs> the letdown after the Olympics and how you go from this crazy high mm. um, where you're you have so many people around you getting excited and like cheering for you. You have a staff around you to give you massages every day and food catered to you and people running around and helping. I mean, you have this like whole staff that, that like the USA teams take to these great big meets. And it's like, you're just on the top of the world and you, you honestly can't see how the, that will change when you go home. Um, but when you go home and you talked about this earlier, um, the Olympics are every four years. So swimming, although it's getting a little bit better, people are realizing it exists year round. Um, it, it still is an every four year kind of sport for the, the main group of people that are watching it. And you go back home and it's exciting and people are excited. And then it starts to really fizzle out. And then you start to wonder, well, now what? Um, nothing, nothing tops going to the Olympics, nothing tops competing on that stage, you're, you're training, you're going to other meets, and you're wondering, like, is this just what it's like, it's just a hard, it's, it's almost like you have like, um, just a complete emotional, like letdown, because that attention goes away. And not that some people love the attention, but when it goes away, you feel its absence. Um, so the expectations, um, on yourself, I think start to change and are, are different because you're just like, well, well, will any of these meets ever feel that way? Or will, um, I don't know, it's really hard to explain, but it's a difficult process for people to go through, especially if you go home, you train for four more years, and you go to Olympic trials, and let's say you miss the team. Now you walk away from trials and this almost like identity crisis, because you're like, well, who am I? What's my existence? What are, what am I, what do I do now? Do I go train another four years at the opportunity to at the Olympics or was that my only shot? Um, and so when I go and talk to a lot of younger athletes, and this is what I talk to my son a lot about is 
having an identity outside of your sport. You really do have to have passions and things that motivate you and, and loves um, that aren't just swimming or baseball or anything like that, because it will go away. Maybe you can turn it in. Like I've turned my love for swimming into opening a swim school. So maybe you can turn it into something, but you also, you're, you're not going to be competing on that level forever. So have balance in your life and things that you love. Um, the expectations also can make you a, a wonderful athlete. I thrive on pressure and stress. Right. I, when I go to a big meet, I just, I feed off that energy and it allows me to really, I know how to chant. I've learned how to channel that adrenaline and put it all into my races. Um, so for me, that's, that's awesome. And, and some people are really good at that too and some people it it can completely crush them yeah some awesome stuff um you know this show was born out of one or two ideas and, and one of those main ideas was dealing with that identity crisis of going from being an athlete to just figuring your shit out for lack of a better yeah. term beyond your sport and and understanding like this isn't going to be easy. For some, it is. For some, it is. And, and, and you know, kudos to those people. Um, but I think for the majority, as you said, you know, no matter how often someone may stop you and say, hey, find, find something else to also invest in with your sport. When you're in the sport, you don't want to really hear that. You want to just go, no, 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 no. That's going to, that's going to slow me down. I don't want to, I don't want to slow down, you know? And I, I think that is, uh, hearing it from you and, and hearing you now being able to guide someone as, as significant in your life as your son with that sort of insight is, is massive. Um, it's just really great. And like I said, you know, that's what this show is all about. And for you, when you decided that something like the swim school was going to happen, how did you find that Amanda, the swimmer, was really able to let her sort of that that version of yourself really get into being the business owner and the you know CEO mindset sort of lady like how how did you find that version of yourself was able to get involved to this version of yourself today well i feel like it was a big challenge and i like challenges so that was perfect but honestly um i grew up in southern california everyone knew how to swim but it's not like as common um, as mm. I thought it was just as like the world that I lived in, everyone knew how to swim and mm. swim a lot. Um, it's a lot of people don't have access yeah. to pools. A lot of people are nervous around water and hesitant. And it's just, it's not a normal thing necessarily for everyone to put their kids in swim lessons. And I just had the best experience, um, watching my kids really blossom and, and gaining that life skills. And it was a very long process, which I, definitely was not expecting how many obstacles I'd have to jump through to get uh, the swim school doors open. But I was also one of those people where when I would go to, you know, my, the, the city and talk about what my plans were for the space that we had. And, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. You're putting pools inside a building and you're doing what? I was like, hey, listen, people hang pools off of balconies in Vegas. I'm putting pools <laughs> into a ground inside a building. It's not a big deal. So, um, I was really good at convincing everyone this was an awesome idea and it's been a wonderful uh, addition to our community and we have tons of families and kiddos that get to come through here every single week and get to be a little bit more uh, water smart every every time they get get to visit us so it's been it's a like it's the most rewarding job in the world. That's awesome. That's really cool and and what I always love about this show is that there's ways that we can we can tie 
we can tie a lot of the things that you've you've mentioned already about your story about your career into what it is you're now doing today and when you think about the creation of a swim school and the benefits of a swim school you know so much of these things really and and very clearly were part of who you were as the athlete so you know competitive of course but also regimented like that 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 is that is a huge part of being an athlete doing something every single day and then just the reward factor too and seeing so many versions of just kids being rewarded through what they're doing today that is just uh just the coolest thing to to sort of hear and 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 clearly you being able to put all your best qualities into practice in what you're doing today and in terms of again we're all about being a competitor on this show for you now when you put your head down on the pillow at the end of the day what what do you consider to be a win what do you consider to be a win now in the day in the day of your normal life oh my goodness um all of my employees showing up for their shifts. <laughs> um, I would just say, um, honestly, uh, when my head hits the pillow at the end of the night, if I'm super exhausted and worn out for my day, then that was a really good day. It's the days where I feel like maybe I just, I could have done this or should have done that or I put this off. It's those days where I kind of are more frustrated with myself. Um, I like to, uh, I like to get a lot done and, and that can be on all different levels. It doesn't have to be just like work and can be like fun. And we go, we go, my whole family, we all go surfing all the time. Um, so it can be like on, on anything, right? So it's either like I got all my work done and I powered through this and I got presentations put together or I was an awesome mom and I was at all the like games for today and I was snack mom and um, chauffeur mom or yeah, or like, you know, I was, I was a great friend and I helped my friend through something. So it's on all different levels. But by the end of the day, I want to feel like that day meant something that I felt like I was uh accomplished for that day and like mm. i said that's on so many different levels so don't just make it all about like work it can be on fun levels too and taking care of yourself and your and your mental side of things so um and then yes because i want to hit the, i want to hit the pillow and be out <laughs> yeah that's it exactly and I, I i couldn't agree more with that sentiment you know just in terms of some days if you fall asleep in five minutes you've probably accomplished a whole lot and uh, it, 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 like you said, it's those nights when you just can't seem to get comfortable that you maybe feel as though you, you left something on the, on the table, like something that you just didn't quite accomplish that day. And so just some uh, fantastic stuff, Amanda. And honestly, like I said at the outset of this interview, I was excited for it. I knew there was just going to be some really great pieces of information for all our listeners to take away in any walk of life if you're listening to this and you're thinking i don't swim what's this got to do with me then you've not been listening hard enough there's some really fantastic stuff here just in relation to anything and everyone um, that you could possibly relate this to before i let you go amanda tell us where we can find out more about you how we can follow you all this kind of stuff uh well i am on social media so um I think on my Instagram, it's Amanda Ray Beard. And I am i don't really do much on Twitter anymore. Sorry, everybody. Um, I do have a fan page on Facebook. And um, you can see me on this podcast being awesome with Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm uh, honestly, if you want to know and 
catch up with me, you're going to have to go to a ball field, most likely. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Well, we'll have to check out your son's uh, fixture list or something like yeah. that and see if we can maybe find the right uh, right game to get to just to say hey to you. Um, <laughs> but Amanda, again, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. And uh, listen, all the best with everything you've got going on at the moment, okay? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And my thanks again to Amanda for joining us on the show today. I'm assuming that we've got a lot of former or current swimmers listening to this particular episode, and I understand why. Amanda is an absolute champion of the sport, someone who is so decorated and so knowledgeable on just what it took to to get to where she got to, and obviously has a, a very unique perspective, as I mentioned at the outset of the episode, on on what it means to to deal with some of the highs and the lows that come with the sport, but. You know, if, you're, if your background's not in the sport of swimming, I hope you were listening carefully because there really were some pieces of information here that should set you on your way. And I'm going to leave you with a mission, let's call it, a call to action. That's probably the better way to put it. In the sense of, if you feel as though your life at the moment is in a position where so much of your energy is going into one thing, and maybe we're talking about your career, maybe we're talking about something else, some other passion project that you're trying to pursue at some sort of high level. If you're dedicating so much time of your absolute being into this thing, what's going to happen when it's gone? How are you going to be able to handle that moment? And just ask yourself, is there any way that I can maybe balance my time and channel my efforts in a more streamlined way? I'm going to stick with that swimming pun. (laughs) In a more streamlined way that can allow me to make sure that I've always got something to move on to once I feel like I've exhausted my efforts or for whatever reason something else has come to an end. I think it's important. I think that's the one thing I'm really taking from this particular discussion with Amanda. And I can just tell talking to her that she's someone who's gone through a swimming career where she's experienced so much, but she's learned a whole bunch along the way. And to have a an opportunity where she is now running a swim school, talking to so many swimmers of the next generation, going into this sport that she puts so much of her heart and soul into. All these swimmers going into it, potentially learning and being influenced by someone who's learned so much themselves from it. That's a really, really cool situation for those kids to be in. And just hearing that this is happening within a specific community such as the swimming community is just really cool. And if you're listening to this and you have no affiliation to the swimming community, then don't worry about it. There's communities that you exist within too that you can give back to, the lessons that maybe you have taken from your experiences up to this point, you can be given to that next generation as well. So that main feeling that I took from this particular episode of having plenty of different passions, plenty of different reasons to be waking up every day is something that we need to value. But there's always that way to pass that passion on as well. There's always that way to educate the next line of people that are coming along in what it is you're doing too. And hey, maybe that ability to mentor and be a role model, well, maybe that's the other capacity that you can be working within. You see how that all comes together nicely there. So Just give that some thought. I hope that's something that you can maybe apply a call to action to finish this episode on. I think it's something that this episode was was worthy of and uh, hopefully you took some stuff from it too. But in the meantime, guys, listen, you can always be checking us out on Instagram at career underscore competitor. Listening to our episodes on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Be sure 
to leave us some sort of a rating, to follow, to subscribe to the show. And in the meantime, best of luck with anything and everything you've got going on within your world. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now.